Well, hello. Uh, good morning, everyone. And I'm afraid COVID strikes again. Kathy and I have been in close contact with someone who's positive for COVID-19, so we are in quarantine. We found out Friday, making this uh, on Saturday, so that we can continue with you in our series about being secure, that we are secure in God and ready for takeoff, ready for launch, uh, um, so that we can can live with God in the fullness of his kingdom, secure no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the situation. And um, it's especially important for times like now, uh, crucial for us to um, have our security anchored in God in times of divisiveness because of elections, because of the struggle and fight for racial justice, uh, and the, the deep concern and chaos that COVID-19 has caused. And so we want to, as followers of Jesus, to, to live out of our security, even in the midst of chaos that we have in God. Last week, uh, we um, talked about how we're secure in our significance and identity um, because we are created in the image of God. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, as the psalmist says, no matter what that cannot be taken away. Our significance and identity are secure. And today, we want to talk about how uh, our effectiveness, uh, the impact of our life is, is secure. Um, as long as we are living according to God's purposes and plans, um, as we'll see, as we look at some passages, God is at work in you and in me to transform us so that we accomplish God's plans that he has set for us. So your effectiveness in, in life is secure in God's transforming power. And that brought me great peace even this week uh, on Wednesday morning. I had one of those uh, days that I woke up just with the list of things to do on my mind. You know, woke up with uh, anxiety and even um, fear. What did I forget to do? What have I forgotten to do that's on um, my list? And as I reflected and prepared even for this sermon, the, the psalm that is our psalm for today, Psalm 138, 7 and 8. It brought me that great peace, freed me from that anxiety, knowing that my effectiveness, my impact isn't dependent on me. It is secure in God's transforming work in and through me. Here's Psalm 138, verses 7 and 8. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. That brought me great peace. The Lord will fulfill his purpose. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. What a, what a prayer that the psalmist is crying out to God. Don't forsake me. I'm the work of your hands. Don't forsake me. And as we'll find out in the passage we'll look at uh, um, this morning, that God does not forsake the work of his hands in me, in you, or in the world. And it's important that uh, for all of us, for young and old, that to 
recognize God has a plan for you and that we can be active in God's plans and God's purposes. Uh, For those that are young, it can be overwhelming when you consider the decisions of life that are ahead of you. Uh, Some are deciding about schools. Other are going to be deciding about jobs. Other about marriage and family and community and uh, just a variety of choices. And, And sometimes you feel like you have to make that decision today. You know, that you, you've got to know the rest of your life uh, today, but you don't because you are secure, that your effectiveness and the impact of your life is secure in God's work in and through you. Um, it's also the case for older um, uh, of us, those that have more experience, whose, whose time and decisions have become limited, and that may cause um, us greater um, agony, greater uh, uncertainty, uh, because uh, we feel like we don't have as much time, that time is running out. But I want to tell you, if you're here, then God has a purpose for you. And God is at work transforming you to fulfill that purpose, to be effective, to have impact. And remember, uh, God created heaven and earth in seven days. God raised Jesus from the dead in three days. Uh, so he's not limited by time. And, and maybe uh, others of you that are older, you're, you're recognizing you're just not as active as you used to be. You don't have the capacities and abilities that you used to have. But again, remember, that even if you can't get out at all, prayer of a righteous person has much power in its effect. So he still has you here uh, to be actively partnering in the work that he's doing to have effect, um, to have impact on the world. And remember, uh, Moses, he was 80 years old when he led the Israelites out of captivity. And Sarah, she was 90 years old uh, when she gave birth to Isaac. Now, I'm not praying that anyone in their 80s and 90s would uh, have a a child, but just telling you that God is not limited by time. He's not limited by activity levels. He's not limited by circumstances at all. Um, He's not... uh, um, he can work in and through you. Like, like we talked about last week as well. You know, the, the things that the world says are important and uh, for significance and for effectiveness. Things like fame and fortune or intelligence and influence, the right looks or the right lineage. God's not bound by those. He's not dependent on those. He is at work in all of us um, to give us effectiveness in uh, our, our lives for his plans and purposes. Now, I got a story here from a young man in the congregation. He shares a, a time when he was a camp counselor four or five years ago uh, with CHPC and, and how in a rather chaotic time, uh, God was at work in and through him, making him effective and having impact with a cabin full of boys. So let's hear that story. So uh, camp, this was 2015, I believe, uh, my junior year of high school. Um, I was a camp counselor and also working at the church um, in the uh, Children, Family, and Youth Internship Program. Um, We had a great group of folks, and they were all signed up to be camp counselors as well. Um, But if it was just the the folks in the internship, we would have been super understaffed, um, and instead we were just understaffed. Um, And we had a a great group of folks come in from the church and volunteer, to spend the week at camp with kids who, you know, were coming to church and were really involved, and other kids who had heard about camp 
um, and just wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were super excited to let them. I think that the program was $20, and if the kids stayed the whole week, then they got their $20 back. So it was an awesome experience for a bunch of um, kids from College Hill, from around the city to go spend a week, you know, at camp and, and be a kid at camp. Um, but with that accessibility came some struggles with staffing. I think my cabin had two counselors for like 20 kids, maybe 25 kids, um, which sounds, you know, like it wouldn't be as hard. Um, but if you have 12 kids, you'd, you'd know how it feels then. And right. so it was, it was really difficult to manage and, and work with and keep things under control. And I think a lot of people could attest to that. Um, and that was kind of the, the, the scene mm-hmm. at camp. Um, and so these, you know, elementary age kids, I think it was the fifth, fifth graders or fourth graders, they, um, it, it, there was 20, 24 of them in one room, and none of them wanted to sleep. Uh, and, and there was this one kid who was kind of a class clown, and he was um, running around, uh, like, honestly kind of making a fool of himself for the entertainment of others. Mm-hmm. And something about, you know, somebody, some kid said something or laughed at him, and it set off a trigger in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just started screaming and hitting his head against the wall and his bump. And would and no, no matter what, no matter how many, like, hey, it, it's going to be okay, settle down, like, it's, it's time for beds. It, it was just, um, it was p- like pure chaos. I would say that the, it wasn't just a yell. It was like a, a, a blood-curling scream. And it was constant. And it was not stopping. Um, and I just knew that there was nothing I could do that would remedy the situation. I think as camp counselors, you're taught all the time, like, oh, this is what you should do if this happens. This is who you call if this happens. And this, this, is, this is what, you know, needs to happen whenever a situation comes up. Um, but with this, my, the, actually, my other camp counselor was not in the, in the um, cabin at the time. So you're all by yourself. And so I was by myself, and I just, again, I just knew that I couldn't, I couldn't fix it. Um, what were the other kids doing? So all the other kids were, you know, they, whenever the jokes were happening and it was it wasn't bedtime, there was uh, it was it was fun, you know, like oh it's, it's bedtime but we're not going to bed, you know, it, it's mm-hmm. the laughing, happy go lucky. But whenever this started, they, you know, were in their beds. I can only assume they were scared. Um, because I, I really had no focus on anybody yeah. else. You yeah. know, my focus was purely on this one boy. Because you were afraid he was harming yeah. himself. And I've seen that before. Um, and just, again, the scream was something different. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it, yeah, again, it wasn't a yell. It was something else. And so my focus was all to him. So I can only assume that those boys were scared in their bed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hearing the knocks of of this boy on his bunk bed and and hearing the yell. Um, okay, and how were you? What were you thinking and how were you feeling? Were you praying? Were you uh, panicked? What yeah. was your reaction? Yeah, I was fearful too mm-hmm. um, because I knew that I there was no recipe for success in this situation, um, and. I was probably frustrated before it really, you know, the wheels really came off, you know, because we had, it was time for bed, it was time to to settle down, and we had had our joke time already, and maybe even played, you know, find the light, or whatever we did, you know, before bedtime, um, 
And so at first I was frustrated, and then I, I realized that something else was happening to where frustration was not the emotion that was going to fix it. Um, so I think I just you know, started to focus on doing the classic and remedying the situation. But I walked over to the boy's bunk um, and, and tried to like talk to him specifically, and it still was not working. Um, and so in my fear and frustration and, and, and yeah, just being scared... I put my hands on his shoulders, and I just said, God, take him. Um, take, I can't do it. Take him. Mm-hmm. And he just stopped screaming almost instantly. Um, really? All, oh, yeah. All yeah. of a sudden, kind of. Oh, yeah. Like, it was it was 100 to 0 um, mm-hmm. after saying mm-hmm. that. And after that, I immediately started praying for him. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And I just said, like, hey, I I love you, and God loves you, and nothing can, uh, you know, hold you now besides God. Um, And the room, the entire room was silent. Um, I don't know if everybody else was still afraid, but I knew that what they did fear wasn't there anymore. Um, So you had a a sense of some kind of evil entity or at least you, you weren't sure, mm-hmm. but it was like either something evil or this kid's own deep disturbance had been triggered, and then suddenly by calling on God, it was lifted. It was gone. Yeah. yeah. And I, and it, this was the way that he acted that night, the boy, was it was nothing like how he had acted before. And I'd seen him upset before, um, mm-hmm. and it wasn't like him. And so I was worried that, it was something else had a hold of them. I think really what was what was awesome is that I went around and prayed for every single boy in the room mm-hmm. who was there that night and told them I loved them and told them that God loved them as I'm bawling my eyes out the whole time. And um, and I think that it strengthened the, that group together really, really beautifully that they had all experienced God as well. Um, and they had seen God work. Because I, I screamed, God, take him. I didn't just yeah. say, God, take him. I they was, knew what was yeah, going on. Uh, they knew that I had given up. I mean, yeah. It was not yeah. me anymore. Um, and so that was really neat to see them uh, understand kind of what God's power was. A great story there of impact and, and effectiveness in, in that moment that uh, God secured um, Nate uh, as he trusted and, and sought to obey God, God secured the effectiveness and impact in that moment. Now, I've got a couple more passages that I, I want to highlight just to reiterate and, and even encourage you and prove to you that, that God's committed to making you effective according to God's purposes. Uh, one is Philippians 1, 6, uh, where Paul tells the church in Philippi, I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. God secures the effectiveness of your life from beginning to end. God's the one who will bring it to to completion. This is a great passage that answers the psalmist's cry. God will not forsake the work of his hands. And you are the work of his hands. Uh, the, the second passage is in Philippians 2 also, where it talks about how God is at work in us and we are at work with God to fulfill the purposes and plans that he has for us. This is how he secures our effectiveness and the impact in our life. Um, 
Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, I was talking to uh, Clara, my middle child, about this sermon yesterday. And um, as I was telling her, it's about God who has secured our effectiveness, secured our impact in, in life. And she said, well, does God do it all by himself? Yeah, it doesn't matter if we want to do it or not. That's what God is going to do. And I said, hey, good question, but not quite. And I shared with her this passage and that, uh, that tells us that God has a plan in which we participate. God works and we work with God. That's what uh, the Apostle Paul is saying. Uh, go work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, it's don't, you don't work for your salvation. It's not that you earn your salvation, but there is effort necessary in working it out, in living out the salvation that God has secured for us. And as we work it out, um, God is the one then who is at work in us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So it's not like um, we are in the barber's chair at the beauty salon and the barber or beautician. They're doing all the work, uh, making us look how um, uh, they uh, want to make us look. And we really are just sitting there. It's not like that at all. It's more like, and it's not like a personal trainer just barking um, commands to us, but it's uh, like a, a trainer who works with us, one in whom we, one with whom we partner. So we work out our Salvation in fear and trembling, while God is working in us to both will and work for his good pleasure. To, to will, meaning to, to desire what God wants. He's working on our will, and he's working so that we work, so that the actions we take are also in alignment with his purposes, with his good pleasure. So he's working to transform our desires and our actions according to his plan, according to his good pleasure. This is the process in which God works in us to secure our transformation, our transform, our transformation and our effectiveness. But we, in turn, working with God, work out our salvation because God has promised to secure our transformation and our effectiveness. He promises to change us. Now, the best way I know to work it out is to be in small groups with other people who are equally seeking trying to follow Jesus. They're trying to read his word and obey it. Uh, that They're trying to be disciples together. And that's why we have a number of groups that study the Bible together and encourage and support one another to do what it says. Um, the Tuesday morning women's um, Bible study, the Band of Brothers on Thursday morning, Ignite. Um, and growth groups that are starting up. All of those are different avenues that we as a church gather in small groups to study God's word and to help one another do what he says because that's the transformation that makes our life effective, that, that makes us have impact. So if you're interested in being a part of any of those groups, email me at info at chpc.org, info at chpc.org, and, and we'll 
um, connect with you and find the, the right place, the best place for you to be in a group that's really intent on hearing God's word and obeying it, just living into this transformation that God has for us. Um, now, we the third passage that I want to look at, Matthew 4, 19. Um, and this is Jesus meeting with his first disciples. And he tells them that um, that if they will follow him, then he will make them fishers of men. Follow me, he said, and I will make you fishers of men. Again, this gives the, the priority of this transforming work to God. Jesus tells them, you just come after me. Come hang with me, follow with me. I'll do the work. I'll train you. I'll make you to become a fisher of man. I'll make you effective in the, the work of God's kingdom. I will um, make you have impact in God's kingdom. It's going to, as we heard from Paul, transform our hearts, our desires, our commitments, and he'll, he'll transform our actions, our very lives, uh, so that we have impact. We are effective in the work that God has for us. Now, this this work is a lifelong journey. Uh, it's a lifelong journey that never ends, right? The disciples, they never arrived. They, they never finished, uh, they never stopped arguing, never stopped fighting, never stopped failing in their work. From when they were with Jesus, to after Jesus died, to when he came back, to when he ascended to heaven, after the uh, Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, as the church was spreading throughout the land, they were still Failing and flailing and um, uh, making mistakes along the way. But they were on a journey, God's transformation in and through them, where God was the one making them effective every step of the way. Now, I have a story that I want to, to, to tell you that highlights that, that this is just a lifelong journey. And it, uh, uh, heard this recently from some missionary uh, um, friends, uh, Alan and Joan Eubank. And Alan and Joan have been missionaries in Thailand for decades. Um, Alan actually is 90 years old. And this story starts 49 years ago uh, when they had um, a, a young woman uh, stay with them, be a part of the church, become um, a, a Christian, and um, lived actually with them for two years. And her name was Dung Jan. And Dung Jan um, then married a, a young man named Praku Permsuk, um, who then became a lieutenant general in the the army who uh, flew helicopters and had mission after mission um, dangerous situations and uh, she then married um, Permsuk as uh, I said and um, stayed faithful to him and faithful to Christ raised their two children to know Jesus and follow after him and just this last September after they'd been married 47 years Perm, uh, Permsuk um, committed his life to Jesus. He, he, he said to his family, let me read to you what, what he said. I realized I was in the boat rowing in one direction and my family were rowing the opposite. I'm over 70 now and I want to go with my family to heaven and with Jesus. They since cleansed their house of all the worship ambulates and, and other uh, idols and things like that. There were, um, uh, of other religions, and they have made their home completely um, for Jesus. They even had a couple parties before and after his baptism to share his faith with others. 
But I, I share this story with you uh, of General Praku Parmsuk, uh, a 47-year journey with both the, the Eubanks and also with his wife, Doom Chang, to, to say just that they may not have known if they were being effective or having impact at all. But 47 years later, now they know that they did. And and this is to, to tell you and encourage you that on, on this journey, you are having impact. If you're walking with God, he's transforming. You're having impact according to God's plan and purpose. He has secured your effectiveness. He has secured your impact. He's transforming your character to be more like Christ. He's transforming your actions to flow from that Christ-like character so that you'll be effective according to God's kingdom. It may take 47 years, or you may not know it happens until you're with Jesus and face-to-face, he's looking back at your life, celebrating the ways that he had impact in and through you that you didn't even know at the time. But you were fulfilling God's design and God's desire. So God's transformation of you has secured your effectiveness for God's eternal purposes. And that's in you, every one of you who is a follower of Jesus. Your effectiveness is secure. Now, I want to take just a moment and reflect on this for a little bit. What what are some ways that, that God is working on your character now? How is God working on you now to will and to work for his good pleasure? Maybe there's some, some ways, one, that you see God is at work, and let's celebrate that. Now, maybe there are other ways where you see God's raising up particular issues and items that, that you need to address. You need to work out your salvation, maybe in terms of growing in faith or trust in Him. Maybe you've just grown callous um, uh, into the ways of the world. Or maybe you're, you're struggling with particular issue, anger or dishonesty or pride. And he's, he's bringing that to your attention. Or maybe you're, you're in a place of losing your, your hope, your perseverance, your faithfulness, your, your joy is being stolen by the, all the, the challenges and chaos of the world today. Well, God wants to be at work in you to, to will and, and work, to desire what he's desiring, to grow in Christ-like character. And I encourage you, name that need. Bring it to the Lord. Share it with others so that you can pray for one another. And, and stay, stay closely tied to his word that speaks to you of the truth. That you are secure in him. And that he's at work in you. Maybe this week, you need to just take a step. What's an action step you can take? Maybe it is spending time in prayer. That you just need to bring the concerns of the world and your life, bring them before the Lord every day. Spend focused time in prayer, seeking God, asking God's presence and transformation in you and in the things around you. Or maybe you do need to spend time in His Word, uh, reading the Scriptures. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Psalm 138 or Psalm 56. Spend some time reading um, uh, those, uh, reminding your very soul of what you know to be the truth. Um, on, on the other hand, you know, if, if you're feeling the ways that God is making you secure, then, then, then maybe what God's leading you to is, is to share that so with someone else, to, to be a word of an encouragement of, of one, maybe even somebody outside the church. It's a great opportunity to, to share a witness of how you feel God's security in the midst of time that can be so chaotic. Or, or maybe you need to take some time, just do an act of mercy for someone. Um, uh, whether it's helping to rake their yard, doing a, a grocery run, or 
babysitting or just taking care of uh, children for, for families or just helping prepare a meal. There are a variety of ways that maybe God's calling you to do an act uh, of mercy um, this week as, as a way of just having impact, of having influence, of being um, effective in, in his work. In, in all ways, as you consider this, you know, hear, be reminded of the good news. Be renewed in your security. Because what God has started in you, God will bring to completion. Go work it out. Work out that salvation that God has secured for you. It might be scary, might be difficult, might be uncertain, but you know you are in God's hands. And that God has promised what he has started, he will bring to to completion. He will not forsake the work of his hands. Amen.